Women Taking the Lead, Episode 88. You have to want it and you have to find ways to get it if you really want it that bad. And also, you have to look at those failures as just pathways to opportunities that are waiting to be seized. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to get the solutions to your top five leadership challenges. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Nellie Akalp, who is a serial entrepreneur, small business expert, speaker, and author. She is the founder and CEO of CorpNet.com, an online legal document filing service where she helps entrepreneurs start, grow, and maintain a business. Nellie shares her expert tips with readers at Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Mashable, and is a regular guest expert on the Fox Small Business Center. Nellie has presented a workshop at Small Biz Expo and sat down with members of Girls in Tech, General Assembly, and more to inspire and motivate others to make their business dreams a reality. Okay, Nellie, that's only a little intro for everyone. So tell us a little bit more about you and your own beginnings. Jody, thank you so much for having me today. I'm CEO and founder of CorpNet. CorpNet provides new and existing entrepreneurs with the most comprehensive, cost-effective services when it comes to starting, protecting, and managing their businesses. I love small business. I love assisting startups, entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs with finding out what their passion is and then working backwards to find out how they can make their passion into a business and make that business dream into a reality. Wow. And that is sometimes where a lot of people fall down is translating that passion into a business. Exactly. Exactly. And oftentimes it's a scary process for most because they don't know where to start. They don't know where to go. And oftentimes the caveat is that, oh my God, be careful. You're going to start paying a ton of money to lawyers and accountants. So by default, they shy away from it thinking that only a lawyer or an accountant or a professional can help them with these types of small business dreams, whereas there are companies out there that can assist them, such as ours, and bring those passions and dreams into a reality. And how do you how do you find these women now? And now I'm just curious because I'm going a little off the rails, but um, is it like a consulting service or do you provide resources for them? How do, how do they, how do they find you and then work with you? Jody, we don't really, really self-promote or promote ourselves. It's all by word of mouth. However, I do have my own online brand at NellieAcalp.com whereby people can search for me. And if they would like to retain me as a business consultant, they can do so at any time. Oftentimes, though, um, you know, I do provide my services uh, free of charge or I'll put them, if they can't afford my rate, I will put them in touch with one of our small business experts here at CorpNed, uh, whereby they can get a free business consultation and get in touch with the amazing plethora of resources that we have here that can lead them through their journey of starting protecting and managing their business. Cool. Very interesting. Okay. So Nellie, you've had success in your life and you've definitely gained some confidence, right? 
But take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time, right? It's usually in retrospect that we look at what we've done and God, wow, why did I undervalue myself so much? Why did I not think I was capable? Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. So I think for me, it's a little bit of a different situation because I started my first company straight out of law school and I got into entrepreneurship in 1997 at the birth of the internet. And frankly, when I started my first company, it was during a time when the industry that we entered into was not even saturated and there was not many players um, offering the services that we were going to be offering. So the business kind of took off on its own and it was kind of like we were trying to keep up with the growth of the business. Fast forward after we worked our butts off day and night and grew the business to where it was doing a substantial amount of sales per month, we were blessed and approached by the opportunity of uh, getting acquired by a publicly traded company. So in 2005, we sold our company for a very large sum of cash. And at that time, I had uh, been a mother of twins that were almost five. And I also had a little three-year-old. So um, it was time for me to kind of buckle down and focus on growing the children and focus on being a mother. So timing was perfect. I took some time off after the acquisition, focused on my then-growing kids and while I was under my non-compete. But then the non-compete ran out and I really realized that I was too young, too bored, too passionate and too motivated to take on an early retirement. And I decided to come back out within the same industry and start my current company, CorpNet.com. Now that's really where it gets tricky for me and that's where the lessons are learned. Because with CorpNet, when I started it in 2009, we were at a completely different economic landscape. We were at the height of the recession in 2009. Um, I was entering an industry that had become fully saturated and the services that we were offering uh, were be we're really, it's become a commodity, you know, and there's hundreds of thousands of competitors offering similar services to us. Plus, we were entering the market during a new age called the social media age, social <laughs> media digital era. So it was a little bit mind boggling for me and um, a little bit unfamiliar, unfamiliar for me as if I was entering into an unfamiliar territory. And you tend to get a little bit uh, insecure because here you are, you were placed on this pedestal whereby you were coined as the pioneer of the incorporation industry, having been acquired, having sold your company for a large sum of cash at an age of 30. And then all of a sudden, you're the new kid on the block where nobody really, really knows who you are. And you're coming out with this brand new company. And frankly, I was told many times, like, are you kidding me? You're going to come out and go back in the same industry in the face of all these co competitors out there, including your old company. And so that kind of lent more and added more to the insecurity. But then again, for me, it was all about my passion, my motivation, my vision, my determination that really, really uh, got me to overcome that fear of failure, overcome those insecurities, and really go for it. But the lessons that I learned as a result was that 
Um, I think my success in the past was the worst thing that could have happened to me because it gave me this kind of false sense of kind of like I could do it and I'm, I've done it before so I could do it again. And that was the worst thing that I could have ever, ever had as kind of my mindset because in my opinion, just because you did it once, the lightning is not going to strike again unless you do it differently and unless you really, really look at the current economic landscape that you're in. So those are, you know, that's one huge mistake I learned. The other and, and a few others are that, you know, what necessarily you did in the past is not going to work today. So um, we had to quickly, quickly change our old ways of um, doing business, handling relationships, and um, doing things very differently than how I did things with the first business. Mm, you know, and that's a that's a really great lesson to learn. I've heard that story before when people went into an industry when it was right before the big boom of the industry, right? So they came in at the perfect time, right? But they really didn't gain a sense of what it looks like under other you know, economic conditions. They kind of just thought like, well, this is the way it is. This is how it'll be. And they become shocked right when the economy takes a turn and then they don't know how to deal with it. Um, but you really point to a really great skill that most people who are successful over time have, which is the ability to adapt. Correct. And you did. You know, everything was changing and became had been more competitive, right? A more saturated marketplace, but you were able to do something with that. Correct. And I think that goes along with being an entrepreneur by nature is that as an entrepreneur, you have to have that ability to be able to adapt and pivot and be able to really change yourself, innovate yourself, elevate yourself um, with the change of economy or the industry or whatever is happening within the economic landscape. Because as entrepreneurs, we're born most of us are born to be A-type personalities. Most of us are born to not be able to take no for an answer. We're very competitive by nature. And frankly, I think the concept of losing is something that doesn't really resonate well with us, for most of us at least. So for me, it was just a matter of uh, whatever it takes, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get uh, you know back on top again in the face of any type of shame or kind of like, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, any type of kind of obstacle that was thrown in my face at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I was talking with a, a previous guest about being competitive and she was sharing that her competitive like would go over the top. Right. And so she would alienate people around you. But, you know, to be an entrepreneur or even an intrapreneur to some extent, you got to have that that like not wanting to fail. Right. Wanting wanting to win within you because there are going to be some big challenges that come at you and you have to want it. You have to want it and you have to find ways to get it if you really want it that bad. And also you have to look at those failures as just pathways to opportunities that are waiting to be seized because most, uh, you know, if, if an entrepreneur is somebody who's not as I mentioned to you, it's not going to take no for an answer. And frankly, we are different than the normal nine to fiver 
because we want to have that better lifestyle. We want to have a lifestyle that's different. We don't want to be succumbed to that nine to five or that cubicle or that box. So at, in addition to that, the, there's also bad that goes with the good, which means sometimes you're going to have failures thrown at you. You're going to have obstacles thrown at you. And it's your job as an entrepreneur to be able to weed through those uh, failures and look at them as mere opportunities for you to seize if you can do that properly. And that's definitely a quotable. I wrote that down. Failures are pathways to opportunities. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> All right, Nellie, now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. So, Jody, I'm very public about the fact that I have uh, panic attacks, and I've been dealing with panic attacks. Um, I actually wrote about this on the Huffington Post, which I regularly contribute to. And that, for me, was my wake-up call as an entrepreneur. Um, About a year ago, I went to um, an Intuit uh, QB Connect convention where I met Ariana Huffington there. And um, she was on stage and talking very, very publicly about her panic attack. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm not alone and um, it's time for me to go public with it. But bottom line is, um, as an entrepreneur, and most entrepreneurs uh, probably experience this, but they still don't know what it is that they're experiencing. And most often they think it's a heart attack. But as entrepreneurs, um, oftentimes you're, you're so stressed out and you're doing so much and you're putting in so many hours that the the stress kind of leads to a panic attack. And a panic attack is really when you're kind of feeling like your body's giving out from underneath you. You can't really take a deep breath and like the walls are closing in on you. And for me, that was a huge wake-up call because at the time when I had my first panic attack, it was during a time where We were doing everything and anything possible to make the business profitable. It wasn't working. And my answer to the problem was, well, as long as I put in extra hours and do more, that's the solution. And that was the worst thing I could do because it led to my breakdown. It led to me really, really physically become ill and hurting myself physically from a standpoint that I couldn't even practically drive my car to and from work or even take my kids to school. So um, how I dealt with it and the wake-up call was that um, really what needed to happen was in order for the business to change and turn around, I needed to change and I needed to become a healthy person. And how I was about to do that was not to put in more hours at work and become more of a workaholic, but to really look at what's going on and do qualitative work versus quantitative work. And Mm -hmm. when I realized and came to those conclusions, it's when everything kind of fell into place. The business started doing better. I became a better leader to my team. I became a better wife to my husband and business partner, a better mother to my children, because I wasn't really putting in all those quantitative hours and not really getting back the results that I was looking for. Rather, now I was putting in quality work 
during a specified time and that qualitative work and focusing my energies on things that were really going to give us that immediate return on investment was really what turned my business around and ultimately made me become a healthier person all around. Yeah, that's so important. I think most of us fall into that trap of if we're not getting the results that we want, then let's just work harder and work harder and work harder, right? And we push, push, push. But I love the approach that you took. Now, granted, after the red flag of the panic attack, but that was a that was a gift, right? To get that message that you need to change how you're living your life um, and make you take another look at how, how you were approaching things so that rather, so if someone listening, if you know that your approach is to normally push harder, do more, work, work longer hours, rather than keep on that path, take a step back and look at what are some quality things that you could do differently, right? That the, what are the like 20% of activities that you do that gain you the biggest results? Can you do more of that rather than trying to add on to the list of things that you're already doing? No, that's huge. That's, that's big time huge. And the other thing is that just following certain rituals on a daily basis for me really helped because, for example, one of the things that I used to do all the time was keep my phone next to my bed every night. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, I'm 44 years old and I have no problem sharing that with my audience. But here's the thing. You're going to get up in the middle of the night and you're going to have to go to the restroom, you know. So when you have that phone next to your bed, you're going to want to check it. And for me, when that phone was next to my bed, I would have this knee jerk, okay, let me see who emailed me, who texted me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then I couldn't go back to sleep. One of the things that I've implemented is the fact that that phone is no longer on a charger next to my bed. It's somewhere away from my bedroom area because my bedroom is my place of serenity and sanity and just to shut down. So I normally make sure that all emails and texts are answered um, during the hours of like, you know, when I get up in the morning from 6 a.m. until 9 p.m. And then from 9 p.m., it's off until I get Mm -hmm. up in the morning. And that was one of probably the best things that I could have done for myself, both as an individual and as a leader of a company, because otherwise you're just constantly on your phone and there's never time to just relax your brain and shut off in light of all the social media stuff out there nowadays with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the list goes on. So for me, that was one of the things that I started um, implementing as a daily ritual. Amen. <laughs> and Nellie, you you alluded to it a little earlier too about um, how you know, changing how you work changed your leadership style. How would you describe your leadership style? So I am, you know, although I'm the CEO of CorpNet, I'm not really your typical CEO. I expect hard work. I expect a ton from my team, but I'm, I'm very, 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 um, all for one, one for all, and kind of have that mentality that really a great big company is a result of the sum of its parts. So I'm a huge advocate for employee motivation, empowerment, and really, really um, creating this culture within my company that 
kind of brings in a little bit of everybody in the company and there's a little bit of weirdness, fun, excitement, but all with hard work and um, expectations that, um, you know, with that being that, you know, we get to have fun, but we got to work hard or and play hard. Right. At the end of the day, there are going to be results. Exactly. That we're looking for. And what are some of the things that you do to create that culture? I think um, really for me, it, it, it's really it starts and begins. It begins and ends with the employee because they're really the face of your company. Aside from, you know, me being the brand for the company, I think, you know, employee retention, empowerment, motivation, inspiration is huge, which, you know, nowadays everybody's kind of looking and focusing on the client, but really Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be this kind of balance between not only keeping your clients happy, but also making sure your employees are happy because otherwise they're just going to look for something else, you know, and the way we create that culture is by always um, making sure that they're positively thriving in a very positive environment. We focus very much on the positive efforts rather than the negative. Even though if there is some negativity going on, we make sure to still focus on the positive and correct the negative. Um, We, you know, if, if for example, um, you know, there is one employee that's just not following the rules, rather than making a new rules company-wide, what we try to do is just make it fair whereby we're correcting that behavior rather than implementing a new rule um, company-wide. In addition to that, um, I think employee engagement with the hires and the leaders is super, super, super important. So, you know, we we try to have... um, lunches together, all company hands meetings where we bring in food, we try to have movie night or poker night or bowling night. So I think it's super, super important whereby whether it's a big company or a small company or a small business that you really involve your employees into da- in the day-to-day aspects of the business and also have this personal interaction with your employees because um, it, it really, really, in my opinion, creates a very long-term relationship with that potential employee and it creates a lot of loyalty. In addition to that, I think it's super important Important to be very transparent with your employees about the company, the numbers, and what your expectations are. Because when you keep it hush-hush and they're kind of left in the dark, then I, I feel like they don't feel their skin is in the game. Whereas when you make them feel that, you know, hey, this is what's going on, this is where we are, and you make it completely transparent, they feel like they have their skin in the game and they're going to want to do more for you and go above and beyond the call of duty. Mm -hmm. And Nellie, what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? We are actually working on several different things as we speak, but one of the things that I'm super excited about right now is we have a um, we have a current CRM that obviously we're working with, but we are working on uh, innovating and elevating our uh, customer resource 
management software into a much more interactive software that not only engages better with our clientele, but also with our employees as well. And I'm super excited about that. Now, say more about that. How, how does it, um, what gets elevated? Well, basically, what uh, are you familiar with what a CRM is, Jody? Yep. I am. I'm familiar with, um, it's really uh, like Salesforce and uh, just a, a software to help you keep track of your, your customers, your clients, your prospective customers, and staying in touch with them. Correct. So for us, it's all about, as I mentioned to you, it's all about where the client's coming from and really the long-term relationship that we create with that clientele. But also, uh, we want to definitely create a long-term opportunity for that employee to make sure that client is theirs um, for years to come and have them really cultivate that relationship with their client. So for us, what we have currently, um, although it does the job, it really doesn't give us all the answers we need as to how do we get more of those clients and where they're coming from. And some of the more um, automated aspects of having information at the client's fingertips when they need to have it at their fingertips. And with this um, new innovation of our software, we get to do a lot more of that and um, really streamline the business filing process further for our clients when it comes to their business filing needs. Got it. So it sounds like it's going to be able to make it so you and the clients are more organized around their stuff and also build a closer relationship as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, Nellie, I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So what is one practice that you have that helps to make you a better leader? I always have an open door policy when it comes to each and every one of my employees, whereby they can always talk to me, whether it's by just coming into my office, calling me on my cell phone, texting me, or just emailing me with whatever is on their mind. As long as it's not after nine o'clock. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? So one of my favorite all-time books for women entrepreneurs is called Burnt Toast by Terry Hatcher, which to this day, I probably have read it over 10 times and I love it. I, really? Yes. It, it's, you know, it's one of those books that you just pick up and you just don't want to let go. And again, it's called Burnt Toast. It's by Terry Hatcher. And for those of you who don't know Terry Hatcher, she's an actress and um, she's a very well-known actress and one of my favorites. And uh, you should pick that book up. It's on Amazon for sale. And if you could name like one or two things that you really took away from that book, what would that be? No is a complete answer. Uh, yes, no, period. <laughs> and frankly, it, don't compromise yourself um, against your values and ethics. Uh, just be true to yourself and love yourself, even though you get into situations where you may be um, faced with some peer pressure, because even at this age, no matter what stage of your life you're at, 
there's someone always going to be out there who's going to want to break you or uh, try to institute some peer pressure on you. So my whole thing is that you can't compromise yourself in order to make someone else happy. Mm, I love that. All right. We're adding it to the list. And Nellie, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Uh, well, one of my, uh, I, I have actually a few of them, <laughs> but I think for me in business, authenticity is what really sets you apart from everyone else. And why this resonates with me is that I think coming out with CorpNet and really doing it all over again in the face of the economic climate and the numerous competitors out there, um, the reason for our success and where we are today is because we're very, very genuine and authentic in the uh, services that we provide. And it really comes out in the way we handle our clients and how we create those relationships. So one of my favorite quotes is, make the impossible your reality, and it will ultimately become your reality. I love that. And lastly, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Well, I'm always on social, so you can always follow me on Twitter at CorpNetNelly or direct message me on CorpNetNelly. I'm also on Facebook under Nelly Acalp. You can always visit us on our website at www.corpnet.com. We have live experts standing by to assist you with any and all of your inquiries through live chat or through a free business consultation, or just simply pick up the phone and dial 1-888-281-7111 or email us to info at corpnet.com. Awesome. And for those listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. Nellie, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We're all better for having met you. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Jody. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.